This copyrighted podcast of the James Perspective has been paid for and funded by James M. Wilkerson. Any rebroadcast, reproduction, or other use of this podcast are a permutation and combination of words and sentences used in this podcast without the express written consent of James M. Wilkerson and the James Perspective is strictly prohibited. Good morning, guys. How we doing? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. We got the giant preacher here. <laughs> and two Jameses. We could be James, the Jameses and the giant preacher. And we've got Doc and Glenn. Doc and Glenn are here. <laughs> Doc, Doc to, to, to conversate, to keep us from going too intellectual. We have a full house. And Glenn to fill in the spots. <laughs> you know, you know, I, um, we're going to be talking about Ephesians. And I, I find it interesting that if you go to the paperback the whole bibles that we came up on i guess that would be ephesians and now that we have internet bibles they're easy is that that the ultimate dad joke yeah i wanted to know if i could get any worse of a dad joke than that and i i I think i got there i don't know what it means really from a biblical i'm not even sure how to say ephesians anymore <laughs> but you know, before we get going, and he does have some very good passages that that Pastor Chris is going to read, and, and I'm looking forward to them. But I was when I was waiting on Charlotte and Bo to get ready this morning, I got to pondering something. Jim, um, are you learning the 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 um, artistic the the Greek that was written by Homer? Are you gotten into that classic Greek like Pericles or? Are you? No, we're learning just biblical Greek. And that biblical Greek is that the what Alexander Koine? Koine. Okay, so so it's so that. I don't know necessarily where Koine Greek fits into that, but that is it, it's what I've heard is that is the language for the everyday citizen. Well, the the story goes on that, and I could be wrong, but I'll just act like a philologist now. Um, the story goes that. The each of these city states that were in Greece had their own dialects, much like you would have a have Cajun dialect of Eng, of, of English or French. You're right. It wouldn't quite be the same as the. And I think the United States is starting to separate from England, but they would have different dialects. If you would go to Mycena or. Or if you went up to Ephesians, if you ever went to any of these other cities, they would have a dialect. And so when that Greek who had that Alexander the Great went, went to take over Greece. He, of course, Macedon is a, a bastardized Greek too. And so he went in and he would try to give commands to his army and they would all speak a different language. And so Alexander made it common so that all of them would attend hut at the same time. That's the story I heard. And I was wondering if you heard anything like that or was I led astray? Well, I haven't really gotten into the philosophy of language yet. I'm still trying to just, you know, crawl at this point. <laughs> Nobody else is interested in that? Oh, I will be. I will be. But <laughs> at this point, I need to crawl before I walk. Well, I mean, that sounds like to me you're saying that I'm running right now and I should be waiting for you to get there. So be patient. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Like, wait another eight years and I'll tell you. <laughs> I heard that somewhere. I don't know where. So, the, but you are learning the Koine Greek. I believe I believe that's what it is, and if uh, I'm wrong, then I sound like an idiot. Okay. But yeah, so I think that it's it's called biblical Greek here, 
and it could. I think that that is Koine Greek. Yeah, I, yeah, I want to say that 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 started with Alexander. All right. So with all of that stuff that nobody wants to talk about but me, <laughs> let's move on to. The- I would love to talk about it. I would love to talk about it. I just can't. And I'm the same way. <laughs> I, I understood Koine Greek. Koine Greek and Paraclete Greek. I can't remember what the other uh, word was that you used for Greek. Well, Homer had Homer is the, the Iliad was written in Greek, uh-huh. but it's not the same Greek that per, that Pericles, the classical Greek, would have been the time of, of Plato and Socrates. It was. I want to say it's a Koine Greek that that came from the take take it over the Western world by by Alexander. That's all. It's not that difficult. Mm-hmm. But that's the end of that. I, I told you I would only go a short time on that, and now I'm turning it over to you. And I would like to hear some verses. Okay. Well, um, and of course we're going to really get into Ephesians in a few minutes. But <clears throat> I'm I've been looking at a book for the last few days by Kenneth Hagin and. Remember the last podcast we had last Wednesday, uh, we mentioned his name, and you looked it up on the internet real quick because I was talking about the many books that he wrote during his lifetime, and you actually pulled up that they can still be bought, and anybody can uh, Google them, and they're very inexpensive little paperback books for the most part, but they are really uh, loaded with, with knowledge of the scripture. So with that being said, I'm going to read on the back fly leaf of this little book that's called uh, Authority of the Believer. And I'm going to, this way, I'm going to give you a background of who this guy was. He was originally a, a Baptist minister. Uh, and then I believe he went into the Assemblies of God for a while. And then he became an independent. And really, uh, he was over the whole faith movement, if, if I can call it that, and Surely I can at 74 years old because it was the first time that I heard about the faith movement was like about in the late 70s, mid 70s and the 80s. And there were many uh, uh, speakers that uh, traveled across this nation and they held to the same uh, belief of faith and and the scriptural belief. Uh, Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so Kenneth Hagin, just to uh, tell you, he lived to be 87 years old. And uh, his key key scripture was uh, in Mark 11, 23, 24, Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea, and shall not uh, doubt in his heart, but believe that those things he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. And the saying part in that scripture uh, is is several times. I did not count it this morning. But you believe, but the saying of what you believe is extremely important. You can believe all you want to, but you need to begin to uh, say what you believe. Uh, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We understand, and I say this a lot of different times, so that people remember that this whole world was created by God, and he spoke it into existence. And uh, Uh, And then we know that in order to have the salvation that we need, we believe in our heart the things that are said about Jesus, and we confess with our mouth unto salvation. We believe that Jesus carried our sin on the cross, and we confess that. I said that uh, recently up on the lake. I wasn't planning on saying it. I had uh, uh, all kinds of— You impromptu? 
Thank you. And we had all kinds of we had all kinds of denominations out there, and it was amazing how that went over because that's the basics of Christianity. That even for your salvation, you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Now, Hagen uh, takes this scripture and he goes into a little more depth and shows you the power or the authority. We're talking about authority today. In fact, the little uh, book that I'm going to refer to is the authority of the believer, what Kenneth Hagen tries to uh, bring it out. And, and the scripture that I quoted, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea. But they shall not doubt in the heart, but believe that those things they saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Now, that was the, uh, the key scripture that Kenneth Hagin uh, used. And uh, actually, on the back uh, of the uh, cover of the book, it, it lists Mark eleven twenty three. Now, get this part. Listen very carefully. He first believed these startling statements from the lips of Jesus while lying almost totally paralyzed and completely bedfast from a deformed heart and incurable blood disease. Doctors did not expect him to reach his 17th birthday. But after 16 months of bedfast, he believed that those scriptures mean what they say. He acted upon them in simple faith and raised up heal. Later, the Lord called him to go preach my people faith. The fulfilling of this calling has now spanned more than 40 years with emphasis on the integrity of God's word. And so he was uh, many, many years beyond the 40 uh, of, of preaching the gospel. Today, we're going to look at uh, some prayers that are found in the book of Ephesians. And those prayers were not just for that day, but... Uh, those prayers were anointed to be used even today. The one thing that I, 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 I mentioned quite frequently on this podcast is the extreme importance of prayer, especially now when we see uh, the nation of Israel surrounded by enemies. And the Bible says, when you see this, the day is very near for the coming of the Lord. And so I, I tried to uh, preach, especially in uh situations where there's all different types of denominations, I figure I'd, I can't really offend anybody if I preach on prayer. And and in the Old Testament, it talks about, about in Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And incidentally, many years ago, I had a prayer meeting at the church five days a week, and it was at 714 of the morning. For the simple reason that Second Chronicles 7.14 says, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, I will heal their land. Okay, so we've been trying to start at 7.15, we're moving it to 7.14. <laughs> Let me get, thank you for that uh, word there. <laughs> we'll be more scriptural that way. You do that. Okay, in the book of Ephesians, in uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, it says, cease not to give thanks. Uh, he says, um, cease not to give thanks for you. That's what Paul's saying to, to the people of Ephesus, uh, making mention of you in my prayers. So he was praying for the people of Ephesus, the apostle Paul was, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge 
of him. So that part right there, the second part, you can you can personalize that scripture and you can say uh, that that the God of our Lord Jesus, the father of glory, may give unto me, to me, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him who is him, Jesus. So that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of glory, may give unto me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. If you go down to uh, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 17, it says, For this cause, now this is a prayer that's in the Bible, in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 17. And you can take this and make it your own prayer. It's an anointed prayer. It's an inspired prayer. It's written in the word of God. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named that he would grant me, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in my heart by faith. Now, <clears throat> Kenneth Hagin uh, talked about how that he prayed these prayers out of the Bible over and over again. And he began to get a, an understanding of the scripture. And he began to understand some things in the scripture that had not made sense to him uh, in the past. Many times I say some words that the faith movement was about, and that is that everybody know, needs to know who they are in Jesus, what they can do in Jesus, and what they uh, have in Jesus. And until you get an understanding of that, you don't really understand the in, inner workings of Jesus being on the inside of you. Also, uh, there's a, a lot of writings. Uh, by the uh, faith movement and uh, Rama Bible College and these books by Kenneth Hagin that remind you that many of the scriptures that Paul wrote, he, he used uh, the preposition in Christ, by Christ, uh, you have Christ. He used these things and we need to have an awareness that Christ is in us, the hope of glory. And until we begin to see that and understand that, and until we start praying some of these anointed prayers that I'm going to make reference to and understand what they mean, because actually we have authority because we have been born again. We are a child of God. If we really understand the scripture, Jesus is our big brother. We're in the family of God. And what happened was we're a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Anybody that would like to make any comment on what I've said thus far, uh, the mic is open. Well, that's very nice of you. I, if I, <laughs> I wanted to ask a, a question. You talked about Kenneth Hagen. Okay. And that he was, uh, and this is a question, just curiosity. Okay. You, uh, you said that he got up and acted after his sickness because he, the prayer. Mm -hmm. Inspired him to act. What did he do? Hey, say that last part again. What was his action? Oh, okay. What actually, actually, what I read off the back of the cover of the book, he began to take some of these uh, scriptures we're going to look at today, and he began to see how powerful, how much authority he had in Jesus Christ by being a believer, and he would he would pray the scriptures. And he would speak the scriptures over his life. And the more that he spoke them, faith cometh by hearing and 
hearing by the word of God. Every man, according to the word of God, every man, woman, and child is given a, a portion of faith. They, they're, they're given faith. But faith is like a muscle. You've got to, you've got to uh, build your muscles up. If you just lay around, your, your muscles are going to dwindle. And you're not going to be able to walk, move your arms, or anything else. It's the same way with faith. Every man, the scripture actually says, is given the measure of faith. Now, we have a responsibility. Are we going to just let our faith dwindle? Or are we going to increase our faith by exercising our faith? And we exercise our faith by speaking to the mountain and telling the mountain to get out of our way. If everybody in this room right now and listening to us right now, if they would understand what's on the other side of the mountain, what is the mountain? Anything that's blocking you from having your inheritance that is rightly, rightfully yours through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so by speaking the scripture, uh, you are building your muscle. And as he began to speak those scriptures, his faith began to increase. And there came a day that he got up out of his bed and he walked. That that's that's what I meant by okay. what I okay. read. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that was a very good. That was a good way of helping me go through this a little better. Mm-hmm. Anybody else with anything, Jim? Um, just to just to supplement what you're saying, um, because I think you know all I have to say is yeah, that's uh, I agree. Um, is that if there's someone like me who's listening to the podcast, I would want to know why um, we should believe these words in this text as far as if this was Paul actually writing, because this is actually one of those texts that is challenged by modern scholarship as to whether Paul wrote the text. And the reason that they challenge is because um, Paul uses in this letter, the author, that's how they, call, that's how they uh, identify him. They just say the author um, uses repetitious adjectives and nouns, and different theological concepts that you see. in let's say, uh, Romans or First Corinthians, and so they say because of these stylistic and theological differences, then Paul didn't write this text. Uh, however, the answers to that have been well. First, we know that Paul had uh, secretaries, and that those secretaries, as far as style goes, differ. As far as theological concepts go, whenever Paul's writing Romans, he's writing to the Jews, and whenever he's writing. First Corinthians, he's writing to the Corinthians, and you'd also see some theological differences there. But that's that can account for the theological differences that you see in Ephesians as well. It's not really uh, mutually exclusive theologies. They're complementary. It's just Paul is trying to address one thing more emphatically than in other letters. And so whenever he's writing to the Ephesians, he's very emphatic, just like he is in Romans, by the way, that the Gentiles and Jews are one. He's, he's very emphatic about that. And so there are definitely similarities, but in Ephesians, he's addressing a Gentile crowd. Mm-hmm. And so this is one of those things he's trying to emphasize here is that you guys are now united with the Jews in Christ to remove the law through the sacrifice. And so whenever he's, whenever he's emphasizing that he's doing so because he's sensitive to the crowd's needs, he's sensitive to these Ephesians needs. Um, and so I think that's very important that we understand that there is good reason to believe that Paul wrote this letter, and I think that Paul wrote this letter, um, and most importantly, the reason why I think he wrote this letter is because the Apostolic Fathers unanimously and consistently affirmed that Paul was the author of this letter without challenge. Like, they just 
kind of stated it without giving apologetics for it. You know, like, oh, yeah, Paul wrote this letter and no one really challenged it uh, until the 17th century. And I'm sure the 17th century writers know more than first century writers. Anyway, um, and then we also. Sorry. What's that? That was a dig. I see. Yeah, yeah, that was. Um, And so um, also we have the argument as far as who Paul is writing to. And um, because whenever we have the earliest manuscripts, the words in Ephesus, which is in Paul's greeting, is missing. And two hypotheses have formed from this. Uh, one is from uh, Marcion, uh, early first century writer and uh, heretic. Actually, I think he was second century. I can't remember. Anyway, uh, second century, third century writer uh, was Marcion, who is uh, also considered a heretic. He suggested the uh, epistle was written to the Laodiceans. I think that's how you call them rather than the Ephesians, because there is one manuscript floating out there that has Laodiceans in there. Um, and however, I, I always uh, heard that pronounced Laodiceans. Laodiceans. We could, we can pronounce it that that's way. Because too. You're not I'm from Vietnam. He's not from Vietnam because he's Cambodian. Yeah. And so, but and so some have, some have thought that, but that's a very uh, minority point of view today. Many modern scholars suggest that the epistle was a circular letter and that the blank space where an emphasis is missing was used to orally insert the names of other various churches that received the letter. However, I doubt that because the letter seems very specific at the end whenever Paul says, I'm sending Tychicus to you. I think that's how you say his name. Um, Paul, Paul says, I'm sending Tychicus to you, and it indicates that he has a more specific audience in mind. but also. Um, you have, again, the early widespread testimony from uh, the likes of Irenaeus, uh, Origen, the Muraturian canon, and Clement of Alexandria that the letter was written to the Ephesians. And so it seems it seems best to accept that testimony. Uh, that's S.M. Ball's research. He's the one who's uh, studied this. And he argues that the phrase Nephesis was likely dropped out of the early copy. And this is one thing that scribes did. If there was something that they were unsure of, they kind of left a blank space. And then later copyists would correct that. And so that's exactly what he's saying happened, is that they left this blank space because they weren't quite sure. And then later copyists went in and inserted that back in there, saying, no, this was written to Ephesus. And so all that's to say is that we can be confident in my opinion, that Paul is the author of this letter and that he wrote to the Ephesians. That's good. I like that. Yeah. And so that just that just gives the people, anybody who's listening in like, well, we know that this is a we know that this is a challenge letter. and We're not necessarily sure who the author and audience is. Well, if they're thinking that there's good reason to think that to believe and to conclude that Paul wrote this letter to the Ephesians. And so that just gives you a foundation to make your argument. And actually, you know, that brings up something, Jim, that we can't build a doctrine on one passage of Scripture anyhow. Uh, It's just like um, the whole concept of what happened to Kenneth Hagin is also found in in a a message that I recently preached uh, when Jesus is asleep in the boat. And uh, and so they wake him up because there's a tremendous storm and they're they're very fearful. They're they think they're going to die. And Jesus gets up and he says, stop it, storm, stop it, waves, stop it, wind. 
and it all ceased. And then he turns this them and he said, where is your faith? Now, a lot of people will try to say, well, you know, the disciples, they had this special they had this special thing with the Lord. And that's why they were able to do miracles. But we can't do miracles today. Well, that's just not true at all, because uh, uh, the Lord that was put in the word of God. And there's so many other scriptures that if you do a systematic theology on faith, you'll begin to see how all of it uh, links together. And even what I'm going to share today uh, on Ephesians here, you can see that that we have a responsibility. We have an authority that was given to us through Jesus Christ. And because of that authority, we're supposed to go out. And it says that the works, Jesus said in John 14, 12, the works that I do shall you do also and greater works. And everybody says, greater works, greater works. What's that mean? What's that mean? Why don't you just worry about doing the works of Jesus right now? All right. So, so when you talk about the verses, one of them is going to be one, three. So when you combine what you just said, Jim, Jim says, you know, we can believe Ephesians is real, that it's right to the Ephesians. And you're saying that you should apply it well so one three is means that you're getting ready to tell us that the calvinists were correct and that there's predestination is that what we're about to learn today uh mm. sh- show me how you pulled all of that please, out of there please let's go <laughs> you're almost like a magician I don't, I don't know how you pulled that out that's like a circular argument read it read it read it it says <laughs> it says who has blessed us in heavenly with every spiritual blessing for us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and love who chose us in him before creation we were predestined here we go here, here's here's a way of reading that before the creation of the world <laughs> believers in christ were chosen to be blameless adopted and sons so believers in christ were chosen yes i would agree with that yeah before creation he was chosen we were chosen so yeah no we weren't chosen to be believers yeah. believers in christ were chosen i was chosen to say that you're already a good calvinist <laughs> <laughs> I'm on the same page with everybody so far. <laughs> I don't know if you are. Yeah. You, you I, say I, you I don't think, think I am? No, because what he just said contradicts what I just said. <laughs> I didn't even see that. <laughs> Maybe we'd need to go by that again if I didn't get it. Maybe some of our listeners didn't get it. So. Jim, in, in a very polite way, told me to go pound sand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there was just a little twist in what you said compared to what Jim said. Right, all he right. was saying, all, yeah, all that yeah, yeah. James was saying was that uh, God chose who's going to be a believer in Christ. And Jim was saying that it's the believers in Christ who are going to be blessed. Right. Is that is that? Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah, so, 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 yeah, so the Calvinists would say that you can you can try to say this again. Before he yeah, chose. yeah, let me let me try. Let well, me try let me. I'm, I'll read let, the verse. Let's see what God says first. Since you're in an error, why don't we? <laughs> why don't I read what God said first? Okay, read it. Yeah. For, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world. Okay, I was us being believers in Christ. <laughs> now, 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 Jim, you you uh, yes, you, you give us a light yes. on that, would you? Yes. Yeah, so for he chose us in him. For he chose those who are in Christ before the creation of the world. That makes sense to me. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. I so, was predestined. So, so this was Christ's Christ sacrifice was preordained. All right. True. And that this was something that this was something that was planned before the creation of the world. Lamb slain that, from the creation of the world. There was, there was an unidentified group of people who, like I'm talking, whenever I say unidentified group of people, there's not necessarily 
a list of people's names in this group, the group is like saying the ODU baseball team. Well, you don't necessarily know who's on that baseball team, but that group's going to be saved. And so the group uh, that's going to be saved, that was preordained before the creation of the world is believers in Christ. And so, and you have that choice to go into that group. If you go into that group, you've been preordained to be saved. But if you don't go into that group, you've been preordained not to be saved. Well, that's not so that's how I see he, that, is that there's still choice there. He predestined us. In the verse, he predestined us for adoption. Us as believers in yes, Christ. Yes, yes, believers so, in Christ are predestined There's nothing adoption. worse than a Calvinist. That's, <laughs> yeah. what, that's what we're getting. <laughs> nothing worse than like, like, yeah, Wait so, a second, so, Doc. Here's what you're missing. Because God. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Who are you and to so, question God? Yeah. And by the way, by the way, this is all done like the Titan voice and all that stuff is done in jest toward Calvinists. It's not yes. anything. I don't hate <laughs> Calvinists or anything like like. Yeah, because I have I have uh, it's like saying I had that one black friend. Well, I have several Calvinist friends. on, uh, <laughs> And so and so I don't I don't hate them. I'm just saying, like, I, I disagree with them. I really can't see it. But, you know, they're they're going to heaven just like we are. Another so, thing another thing needs to be said is that every time we reach one of these passages that are used by the predestined people who believe in predestination, it's my anointed. I mean, I am anointed by God to be the advocate. The for lawyer the for the Calvinist during these podcasts, so their voice can be heard. You do give better arguments than because God. I will say that. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. I think I'll read right. the next scripture. <laughs> I'm have to cut out five minutes of this podcast. <laughs> and so I'm going to read Ephesians. Let's move on. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Ephesians chapter three, verse fourteen through seventeen, uh, and this is a, a prayer of the Apostle Paul. And he says, for this cause, uh, it came from the Lord. For this cause, I bow my knee unto the Father of my Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant me, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in my heart by faith. So that's a good one that we can uh, underline in our Bible and, and pray each morning or each night and, and, and memorize. And uh, uh, it, th- there's a lot of power in that, that he would grant me according the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in my inner man. I mean, might is the ability to perform so that you're asking him according to his riches and glory to strengthen you with the ability to perform that that's in his spirit and that ability to perform that's in his spirit would get in your inner man that Christ may dwell in my heart by faith. Let's just think about that for a moment. Pray in that prayer how powerful that would be. What a a faith building prayer that would be. And as a person, we begin to pray that and meditate on that and comprehend that. You've got to understand that the the anointing of God, um, I mean, the Holy Spirit, he's going to be our teacher, our counselor, our comforter. He'll begin to unveil that scripture so that we get an understanding of that scripture for our life. And as we begin to believe in that, we'll begin to be strengthened by that might in our inner man. We'll be a stronger Christian. We'll be stronger in faith. 
because without faith, it's impossible to please God. So that's another important scripture. I'm hoping that those that are in our audience today that will mark these scriptures and begin to pray these scriptures, and you can add that to your arsenal, your weapons. We, the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I just want to magnify how powerful these scriptures are and why they should be underlined in your Bible, and you should pray these every day because there would be an unveiling of, of the truth uh, of these scriptures for your life. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna move on. <laughs> <laughs> if 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 y'all will let me, I'm moving on. We're not gonna go talk ahead. about yeah, go ahead. Do you have anything to say, Doc? Nothing? Okay. I will say this. I think that I think the use of scripture as a template for prayer is a wise idea. I appreciate that. And I really believe that. And you know, I've I've said on this podcast before that you can take the twenty third Psalm, you can take just about any scripture. And as long as you New Testament, you understand that we're under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. As long as you understand that that we we've been adopted into the family, and the blessings of Abraham can come now uh, on us as Gentiles. And when you read the blessings of Abraham, you see how how juicy and glorious that they are as far as our life is concerned. Okay, let I me. Mean, but I don't before, know how it uses juicy. That just seems like a weird adjective. Yeah, but yeah go ahead. Well, my, 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 well, juicy is something that is very palatable. I mean, an apple. I look at the apple and I, it's juicy to me, and I take a bite of it. I want people to bite into the Word of God, bite into the concept of prayer, because it is juicy. I keep doing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right, just, just kidding. It's well, just, this is what I want to say. I do, I do like this all the time. Sounds like a t-shirt to me. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Scripture is juicy. Sorry, Dad. Go ahead. No, that's okay. I can wait it out. I, but, but I read these passages, and I do agree that it would be nice if, if I could learn how to use this power when I need it. Because, but then, the, but then he ruins it. Paul ruins it really quickly because I wanted to be able to use it to send pill, pillars of fire down on my enemies and just. <laughs> but, well, then the next passage says. And I pray that you be rooted and established in the love, rooted and established in love. So I can't use this power to zap people. Well, let me ask you this. <laughs> was it was it love when Jesus walked into the temple with a whip, turned the tables over the money chambers and screamed out, hollered out, my well, house shall be called the house of prayer? Was that, What was that? He didn't hit him with, he didn't smoke him with, with a pillar of fire. <laughs> I would also say that. In what what I think you're really referencing is is throwing people out of helicopters in love, probably. <laughs> well, no, that's in necessity. That that's in necessity. That's, that is in necessity. Ah, okay. So unless it's in necessity, you need to add that into in we'll, war. Killing is fair. We'll add that to the end of uh, we'll add that to the end of verse 18. Just add unless unless it's necessary in war. My goodness, it's amazing where this uh, right. teaching is going we're today. Gonna, we're going right, to right. scripture today is what we're going to do. Right. But I want to say this real quick. You brought this <laughs> up about Jesus. Okay. Uh, my dad used to tell us there was a distinction between anxiety and and stress. You could have stress that you can't prevent. But anxiety is something that you have. 
That's your sin. That is your reaction to stress. Jesus can have anger. He would say there's a difference between anger and mad, madness. Mm -hmm. You can be angry, but if you step over from that anger into an irrational reaction, that's madness. Well, the scripture says be angry and sin not. You can be angry and sin, and you can be angry and sin not. And Jesus is saying be angry and sin not. So I think that had Jesus been human and he overturned those tables righteously, Uh and then he pulled down from heaven pillars of fire, then that would be stepping over from anger to madness. Uh Jesus was not mad. He was angry. Another movie reference. Yeah. What's that one? Was that not Life of Brian? Oh, it, actually, no, but maybe I subliminally did. I think you did. <laughs> See, Glenn, Glenn, it kept the movie references come in um, subliminally. Come in naturally. Um, <laughs> Could I read again? I hope they're not totally inspired by the Lord, but we'll see. <laughs> I'm going to read from Luke 10 10. <laughs> Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. Actually, um, as far as the Greek is concerned, uh, the power in in the first uh, the first time that you read it is is talking about authority. The word authority could have been used, so it could be read like this. The other power is a, a different Greek word. Behold, I give unto you power, that means authority, to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. Talking about the devil and the things the devil tries to bring in your life. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And he says, in this little book, he said the word power is used twice, but the Greek word is different in each instance. Jesus actually said, I have given you power to tread on serpents and scorpions, or, or I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the devil. The first word in the scripture is really the word for authority. And, and he uh, gives a little illustration. He says the policeman has authority. In a big city where he's out there directing traffic, there's been some kind of a, a wreck or something. Uh, he can't put his hand out and have the power to stop the vehicle. But because of the suit that he wears, the badge that he has, and the white glove that he holds up, that that is authority. And you better stop. And you better go in the direction that that he uh, he waves for you to go in. So that's the way he looks at that. And Ephesians 6.10, it says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Many people read that and think that the Lord is trying to tell them to be strong in themselves. So they try to be strong. They try to hold out and hold on. But the scripture doesn't say a word about being strong in yourself. It says be strong in the Lord. Let's go back to what uh, uh, Glenn asked me a little bit ago. because. Uh, Kenneth Hagin began to see that you could speak to a mountain and tell it to be moved. Then he began to apply that to his own life, being bed rest, not able to uh, get up, bed fast, not able to get up, going to die in a few years, according to the doctors in that uh, day and time. And he began to take the scripture and he began to tell these things that were coming against him to move. 
And because he stood up and told these things to move, uh, faith began to build up in his heart. And it was all over Mark 11, 23, 24. And he began to see it come to pass. People give up too easily. You can preach faith to people and they'll run around and say this and say that and say this and say some other things. And well, why didn't it happen? Well, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And you've got to knock, keep knocking, seek, keep seeking. And uh, you will find and the door will be open to you. You need to keep asking, keep asking and keep asking. And this is what the word of God says. You've got to use your faith like a hammer. And you, you've got to speak to mountains. You've got to speak to situations. And they will come to pass if you believe the scripture and act on it. All Kenneth Hagin is saying, here I was uh, 16, 15, 16 years old. I was dying. The doctor said I was going to die. I had a few months to live. I couldn't get out of bed. And I opened the Bible up. I read Mark 11, 23, 24, and it worked for me. And he said, if it'll work for me, it'll work for anybody. The Bible says God's not a respecter of persons. All I'm trying to do here this morning is build faith. And this is what I've been preaching since about 1976. And the more that I've preached it, the stronger my faith gets. Okay. All right. Um, I do have a comment here, and maybe you can address this. The, um, the asking of, Lord, of the Lord for various things, these things need to be asked in accordance with the will of the Lord, correct? What's that, what things soever you desire? What things soever you but, desire? Wait okay. a minute. When you pray, when you pray, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Let me say it one more time. What things soever you desire, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Okay. I'm pulling up a verse right now because what I'm saying is that uh, it's whatever you desire as long as it's within the will of the war. It's not just whatever you desire, correct? Like if I desire to go out and have sex with 15 women, well, then I guess say, okay, yeah, you're, yeah, that, yeah that, okay. that, that would be a sin. Okay, all right. So there, there's a verse. I'm trying to find it. All right, so I, this is not working well. But essentially, I know that this is correct, that you need to pray according to the will of the Lord. That's scriptural. Yes. Would you agree with that? Oh, yes. Okay, but then it's also scriptural that, as Christians, because Christ was hated, will be hated. And it's also true that Paul was beheaded, that there were shipwrecks and things like that. Oh, he talked um, about that. Paul talked about that. Paul was a, mm -hmm. a great faith man, yet he talked about those things. Yes. Right. Those things. Yeah, so it's possible to have faith without you getting material blessings. I'm so, not like, sure. You know, what, what, what I hear, what, what I hear <clears throat> I'm not just taking one scripture and saying this. I'm not prepared to go through every scripture in the word of God, but I can take you to the uh, Romans chapter one through four, somewhere in there. And, uh, and, 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 and it's being addressed. It's being addressed once again, and it takes you to Abraham. And remember, we have been told that the blessings of Abraham have come on the Gentiles. So we got to read back to the blessings of Abraham. One of the first things that God told Abraham, he's going to make him rich. Now, everybody gets real skittish about that. You know, the people that have a high education or a high paying job, uh, they usually will argue with me more about rich than anybody else. I always tell the story about a professor from uh, Czech. He was uh, 
he was actually educated at uh, Stanford, and I think he may be teaching there now. Tremendous guy, tremendous believer, came up to me and said, I think you've got to quit talking to these. Look at how many poor people you've got in this church, and you need to stop talking to them about them being rich. Well, you know, you define rich like this. Number one, I'm, I'm not... I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about what the Bible says about it. And Abraham's blessing can still come on us. And the first thing God did with Abraham, he made him rich. Rich means more than enough. More than enough. If, you, if, if, if we got a lot of people whining around in the church and they got two or three cars and their, their home's nearly paid for and they got a good job, a good income, and they don't want me preaching about rich, I'm telling you, you can take people out of the ditch preaching this and you can bring them up where they're rich now listen to me i did not say millionaire i did not say multi-millionaire but they'll have more than enough may i may i step in here and i'm taking off my silly hat okay all right I, when i brought when i brought this up on the or you were talking about the power mm -hmm. and that you can have you can do the things that jesus and plus plus more mm -hmm. all right and i believe that Mm -hmm. But I also believe that there is a restriction, and that is that all of those things are grounded in love. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, so you can have the power of Rome behind you, and you can abuse it and use it for bad like Caracalla, or you could use it for good like um, Marcus and Anthony, Marcus and the, 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 you know, the good, the good um, emperors. And... I do believe that that's the reason after talking about having, you, you know, you were in Ephesians uh, 3 and it's talking about these powers, it's talking about these riches, but then he says he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ might, may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you be rooted and established in love. Mm -hmm. If you're not rooted and established in love, I don't think you're going to get any of those powers. Very good point. You, uh, I agree with it. Oh, right, so scripture. I, so what I what I guess I'm saying is is then you're you're it, we're all kind of agreeing. You're saying you're you have to pray it, but what Jim is saying is is that if that, that if it is for the wrong motives at all, if it's not rooted in love, you're not going to get it. You're not going to get mm -hmm. those things you pray for. Well, I would I would also even add that there are that there's nothing. We don't have the same um, tithe and receive receive every spiritual blessing or every not spiritual uh, every blessing uh, from the Mosaic covenant. We don't we don't have that anymore. Like we don't keep any part of that law anymore. I, I know I'm sounding very dispensationalist at this point, but this hey, is you're okay so far. Believe. Keep on. <laughs> yeah, and so we are. What what I'm saying is that. We are, as Christians, told that we're going to suffer because Christ suffered. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be something that we need to be down and tragic about it. We need to be very thankful about it and actually take it with joy. So whenever we're talking about blessings, I don't see there being anything material about it. Ephesians says that we have every spiritual blessing. And that the the Abrahamic covenant, whenever we're talking about our receiving all of the blessings from that, that's to me, whenever Ephesians says it right here, it's, that it's in the heavenly realms. And so I don't see it as we're going to 
uh, be the nation of Israel or that we're going to have uh, earthly blessings, that these are something that we're storing up in heaven. And so do you, what do you say to that? I say to that, yes, the earthly blessings are up in heaven, but they can be pulled down by faith. I think that God has the I think God has the ability. There's no one here. I think that's going to say that God does not have the ability to do that. And if you don't have faith that God doesn't have the ability to do that, then there then you probably need to recheck who it is that you're dealing with as far as whenever you're praying. But what I'm saying is that I understand the New Testament and the New Covenant that we have with God, and it's not one that's like the Mosaic Covenant where it says, if you follow my commands, you will, re- you will receive earthly blessings. It says that you you believe in Christ and you have stored up for you every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, but because Christ suffered, you will suffer here on earth. Okay, let that's me... Kind of the, that's kind of what I get from well, it. Not, and I'm not saying that we need to be down and frightened about it. I'm just saying that that's... What the text says. Okay. You sound like Zeno. Here, here's what I'd like to say. <laughs> I, I put a $100 bill in my Miata glove compartment the other day. It's not in there right now in case you're listening and going to come over here and <laughs> check out my Miata. I put it in there, and guess what? I went several days, forgot all about that $100 bill. And one day I needed to go into my glove compartment, open it up, and there was that $100 bill. It was like, wow. And then I remembered, yeah, I put that in there many days ago, and I forgot about it. All I'm trying to do, Jim, and, and if, you, if, if you will hear me on this, I'm trying to tell you that there's a lot of things that we're missing today that is our inheritance. It is our right. We have a right to it. We have an inheritance for it. But if this is not preached, it will never be discovered by people. That's all that happened to Kenneth Hagin laying in the bed. He'd been taught that God wasn't a healer. He'd been taught all of these things that are taught in so many churches today. And all of a sudden, he got a revelation of the Word of God, an unveiling, a seeing. Uh, he could see clearly that there were things, and here was the way to get it. And so he acted on that. And over a period of time, it didn't happen. Boom, boom, boom. Everybody thinks I'm talking abracadabra. I'm not. I'm talking about in prayer. I'm talking about in speech. I'm talking about in your thinking. I'm talking about uh, you have some things that are yours that were purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. And you need to see it. You need to open the glove box and see that there's something in there that you haven't been able to see before. Let, let and when you pray, we are to pray. I'm going to stop you both. I'm going to stop you both. I'm going to stop you both. I need to stop you both. I really need to. Okay. As the moderator, I need to stop you both. This is called the James perspective. <laughs> well, at least the James <laughs> referee. <laughs> All right. It, it is this common law idea, which we're not under Louisiana. We're not under common law. We're not a common law idea that you can't make the law between yourself, which is a contract, without a meeting of the minds. Okay, and I feel like there's not a meeting of the minds as to what we're talking about with doing Jim and with you. I think we are. And I feel like it's been this way since the podcast thought that we've never completely understood what the other is really saying. But that's good for the audience. Oh, I agree with that. And let me give you a scripture. Can I give you a scripture? And I will say that this podcast was predestined. Yes. To have that happen. (laughs) I believe that. But the scripture says the eyes of your understanding being lightened 
to the hope of your calling and what the riches of the glory of our inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the power of Jesus. Okay. Now, pretty much is what it says. Does, does anybody, this is kind of what I'd like to see. I'd like to see either Glenn or Doc say if he can summarize what the two sides are saying. That's going to be interesting. That will be interesting. Uh, okay. So, Jim, I would say, I, okay. <clears throat> All right. Let me think about it. You put, you put us on the spot. I like it. You put us on the spot. <clears throat> okay, I would I would tend to agree. Uh, like I think there's some people that that if they pray for wealth, I think it would pull them away from. I think that it, it would actually pull them away from from God, right? So it, them play, praying for wealth does not mean that they're even going to get an abundant supply. Like I would I would even argue that like they're going to get what's what's needed, I guess. So that would be an abundant supply in its own way. But but you praying for wealth does does not mean that you're going to become wealthy because it would. It, end up pulling you away from God. So if you're praying for stuff that's not good for you, then you're not going to get it in the long run. And I think that would be, Jim, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that's more what you're saying. Right? And then and what about the sickness? Uh, so, wait, 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 Jim. You're not, you're, I, I, no, 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 no. I, I just asked him. I know, but I'm not going to let it. I want you to okay. some. I want him to summarize the sickness side of it too. I mean, I, I tend to, I tend to think that, uh, Rudely interrupted by a phone call. <laughs> okay, it was heaven <laughs> on the uh, on the okay on the sickness side. I, I do. I think we all agree, we all believe in healings like the, that. That's possible. I don't think there's anybody disputing that. But uh, I I also tend to think that it's it's more with the um, what's it called? Like you, it's in places where uh, a revelation of God's power divinity needs to be shown. Right. So. Like that's, I do believe that it, any, yeah, any, but at any moment, any of us can become healers. So I don't think anybody's disagreeing with that. Okay. Like we all believe in miracles in here. I don't think that, that in, uh, we believe in a miracle work of God today. So like, it's not something that's in the past. Like right now you went down with a heart attack. I do believe that if God wanted to heal you using me, then it could happen. Okay. Now he called on you, Jim. I will allow now. I don't I'll, remember what the question was now. Though. Jim will. Okay. Um, I would say that, uh, the, yes, that is part of what I'm arguing, but I'm also arguing that we're in a different covenant than the Mosaic covenant mm-hmm. saying, if you do good, you'll get good. And if you do bad, you'll get, you'll get bad. And so even I'm trying to, I'm trying to think of how I'm saying it. We're under a different covenant We're we're told explicitly that, uh, ask in accordance with the will of God and you will receive or he will listen. It's first John five fourteen, I believe that you ask in accordance with the will of God, you will be heard, but you also receive other uh, passages and examples that demonstrate that these things are not necessarily physical, that all of the uh, early examples that we have of people who definitely had these gifts all suffered severely. And so it's not something that, it's, it's like it's not we're not guaranteed a pleasant life as far as being on earth. These are something that are stored up spiritually. And so whenever I look at the New Testament, it's not anything about earthly blessings or earthly health or anything like that, even though, yes, I agree that if God needs to reveal himself in manners of healing and things like that, then he will. 
these will all be done according to God's purpose. Other than that, believers are told you will suffer because Christ suffered. You will be hated because Christ was hated. And so take this with joy. And that's how I see the new covenant is that we're going to suffer on earth, even though if it's God's will that I'm rich, then by all means, let me be rich. But it does not mean that I'm going to have a pleasant life still. And so does that make sense? That may, may I try to see if I get it? Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to bring a little philosophy in, and I want to always admit this. I realize that I'm not really a philosopher. I don't really get into it as deeply as some people, but I understand the history of philosophy, or at least try. Well, what, what Jim, you're, what you're describing is very, I said it earlier as a joke, but it's really true. It's very, very Zeno. It's very stoic. Uh, you, you're going to have things that happen to you in this life. And God does not uh, stop those things necessarily, but he does give you the mind and the spirit to be happy regardless of your material circumstances. That may be rich, that may be poor, but you are to have the same mindset regardless. That's, that's, Eastern, that's Eastern thought for sure. And that comes and, and obviously I, I believe that that Christianity comes from Eastern thought. Now, the other side of <laughs> no oh yeah, I, I eastern I, thought comes from christianity, christianity. comes from god okay but yes <laughs> but eastern thought comes from christianity yeah. if you want to put it that way there was there was nothing about rome that would have been considered stoic until later okay even though zeno, zeno was greek All right but anyway here's what i'm saying and i agree with you i misspoke i didn't mean to say that, that christianity came from from the mystics but I am saying this, that that's very stoic in the thinking. That's very theme. Um, the guy that I came up with taught it that way. But then there's the other side, which would be considered um, um, uh, where you – what's what's his name? Um, gone, I had it in my head just a second ago. But, 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 you're, but pleasure, pleasure is what you should be seeking. Now, that pleasure does not mean selfishness. It means that you – seek what is going to give you satisfaction it's going to give you um happiness by serving others and doing doing those things but you are seeking pleasure okay and i believe both can be correct if you're if you allow that to be controlled by the spirit that seeking pleasure is natural i'm going to go away from pain towards pleasure Okay, Um, so so um, what I guess I'm saying is I think that both of you are heading. If you're a mature Christian, it doesn't matter if you start out which one of those philosophies you go with. But it sounds like to me that you're more stoic in the way you start with it. But a, a mature Christian is going to come with the same way as someone who is seeking pleasure is going to as a as a advanced Christian meet in the middle. I had a Catholic priest one time finally agree with me on that mm-hmm. because they well, can see that it, me, it, it's all, it's all about maturity. Mm-hmm. Well, it could be, but let me try stating what I think Chris is arguing and see if Chris accepts it. There you go. Is that okay? Yeah, I love that's, that. That love sounds that. great. Yes. I love that. Okay. So we have these gifts of prophecy, of healing, of tongues that are not just confined to New Testament believers but that those things are still gifts today and that the reason we don't exercise them is because we don't have faith. 
That's true. Faith comes okay. by hearing See, and hearing and I just worry about that. Yes. Yes, I'm sorry, but I do disagree with that respectfully, very respectfully. And I respect 99% of your teachings, Chris. Uh, I hope you know that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay. And the reason, the reason I disagree with that is in part because of early church writings that talk about some of those roles having slowly begun disappearing. And uh, we have a Dr. Spiegel who has elaborated on that and has written on that. Um, as far as the role of prophet goes, and as far as prophecy being something where God is speaking through humans, that that slowly dissolved in the early church age for one reason or another, um, and that that's something that's not necessarily a gift today, all right, as far as prophecy goes. But then, and I could give with the other things, but the healing thing in particular, that thing gets to me because there are people who have ample faith who are not healed including the apostles who were killed and not miraculously brought to life. Everybody ultimately dies. And so that's why whenever Doc says that faith is something that happens because God is revealing himself through manners of miraculous healing, that those would be the instances where that would take place because God's revealing himself. Not necessarily because we as believers have that promise from God that will be healed on every sickness. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Um, I don't really agree with it, Jim. Mm -hmm. Yes, because sir. Because when, when we get to the point that we start saying that things have passed away under this new covenant, uh, I just, I can't, I cannot believe that. And I believe that what has happened that, uh, we, we've heard what hell wants us to think and hell wants us to think that these things have passed away. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the scripture even says, uh, one of the writers said, I wish above all things that they'll prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. Your soul is like your mind, your intellect, or your emotions. And faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I, I go back to these prayers, you know, that, that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened to the hope. Hope is like blueprint. God's got a blueprint for our calling, and there are still uh, miracles happening today, and a move of the Holy Spirit that's nearly tangible. At times, you can feel the presence of God in a service, but in loads of the services today, there's not a tangible feeling or presence of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. But he manifests himself uh, at different times in different places, uh, according to our faith. We're two or three together. Jesus said, I'm there in your midst. And uh, I take, you know, that's the reason I, I'm, I'm speaking on these prayers today. And this is just a couple of the prayers that if we would begin to pray these prayers, Kenneth Hagin says in the book that all of a sudden after he would pastored for many years, he said, he said, I don't have enough sense to even get in out of the rain because the Lord began to unveil things to him. He began to see things and understand things. There were a lot of miracles and healings that happened in his days of ministry. Mm -hmm. And so um, for, for this reason, I don't know if it's necessarily just a matter of perspective that Chris Witt and I seem to be disagreeing on. I think that there's actually a material or maybe like actual reason that we're 
disagreeing here is we're trying to figure out if something like healing does not happen because we don't have faith. Um, and that's something where I just happen to disagree with Chris on. So I don't know if it's necessarily a matter that I'm a stoic Christian. Um, well, well you, know, you know, by so, the way, by the way, I lost it for a little bit because I could not think of Epicureanism. But Epicureanism is the one who says that I'm going to seek what's what is pleasurable. Now, again, pleasurable does not is not the same thing as hedonistic. People get that. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about like Jim says, woman, that's not it. What is it that that gives you satisfaction? And I still think that that's what's going on here is that I think that that when we start, which way do we start from? It ends up in the same place. But I believe that Chris comes from more of an Epicurean, if you look in philosophy, science standpoint, that is that I'm seeking that satisfaction and it's guaranteed to me. And I believe that. Right. But that satisfaction, Jim's looking at it from a stoic standpoint, is that I that God gives me a sound mind. That's my inheritance. My inheritance is my mind. My inheritance is how do I react to these things? My inheritance is can I be happy no matter what's going on around me? Paul said that he had the mind of Christ. Oh, he definitely wants you to seek the face of Christ. No yeah, question. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that, that, that's what I'm saying is, is I think it's coming from two standpoints. When you become a mature believer, they merge so much you can't see the difference between them. And I really believe that what Chris is saying is true. If you become a mature believer, you have sought the mind of Christ, then you're going to only want those things that God wants, and they will happen. Well, just like the scripture I read, uh, Jesus said, I give you authority, power, which is translated authority. I give you authority over all the power of the devil. And just like my $100 bill that was in the glove box, all I'm saying is a lot of people have got things that the Lord put in in the glove box that they have forgotten about that they don't understand that it's for today. And that's all I'm trying to say. If we don't start, if we try to say everything's passed away, well, salvation probably passed away too. No, things have not passed away. We have we have not discovered what the Lord has put in for us to discover. And that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, open up to the hope of his calling. And that doesn't that doesn't mean that some of us may not uh, some of us may die a martyr's death. That's that's not too far fetched right here in the United States of America right, right now. The way things are looking. So, <laughs> so yeah. Jim, well, Jim, I will say like Paul prayed a lot. Well, so he prayed for the thorn in his flesh to be taken away, you know, and that doesn't happen. So there are things like that where I'm trying to figure out what it is exactly, what what it means exactly that if we ask. You know, and we ask the accordance with the will well, of God the, that we the, will receive everything. The thorn so, in his flesh. The, what, what what do you think the thorn in his flesh was, Jim? It could have been it could have been anything, whether it was his hardship that he was facing, whether it was his um a, a sinful habit, or whether it was a sickness, even though I don't know necessarily if that was the case, but one of those three things. It was something that was obviously negative. Here's here's the point that I'm well, making. Well he was persecuted. He was persecuted right and left. Okay. Whippings, stonings, and all of that. Here's what Jim is saying. Jim is saying it doesn't matter which of those three you take. Yeah. It's the same result. He couldn't get rid of it. Yeah, he couldn't get rid of it. Something that was negative happening in his life, 
that God said, my grace is sufficient for you. And so whenever we have that, whenever we have those moments, even where these people who for sure had the gifts and we see them documented in these early texts, they're still not getting everything that they were asked. They're heard and they'll receive it. But God saying, I have something better for you, that my grace is sufficient for you. So that's how I'm looking at this whenever we're praying to God is that it's not it's not that we're not being healed because of our lack of faith. It's that God has something better for us. And so I don't think that's because of lack of faith that a lot of people aren't being healed. I think that people pray all the time to be healed. I think these people are sincere about it, and then they still die. All I'm saying is that there's something better waiting for them on the other side. So so let me ask you this. Do you see what the point that I'm making, Jim? That if you come if you I, I do believe that what we're ultimately doing is seeking to to be at one with the mind of Christ. And that that we're going to naturally in our flesh um start out perhaps um stoic or or epicurean because and, and I like using that because it is fleshly worldly definitions that what we're like before we start our walk with christ we're going to probably come from one of those two angles those two viewpoints but as you mature you'll realize that without being with the mind of christ your prayers cannot will not be answered except to continue you towards the walk with christ that it's going to be answered in a way that continues your perseverance and your walk with christ and so I really, truly, when I listen to you two guys speak, I hear you both be correct, assuming you have matured as a believer to the point that you are at one with the mind of Christ. Well, I think that Paul had the mind of Christ and he asked and he still didn't receive Absolutely. One. Yeah, but I don't believe well, it was so, sickness. Well, That's not yeah, it. That's I, not I, it. I, I, yeah, but, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. We We did talk about sickness and that was kind of inferred in what what he said about Paul that it could be sickness and we can't find a single instance in the word of God when Jesus is on earth that someone asked for healing and he didn't give them healing there was the woman and he said to her she was not a Jew he said it's not it's not right for the master to take the children's bread and give it to a dog and she said well even the little puppies eat from the master's table. He said, man, I've never seen faith like that woman. You've got the healing for your child. And so that's whenever we try to undermine the miracle hand of God, I just truly believe that it's wrong. Yes, we're going to we're we're going to die. We're all going to die. And we're not going to understand uh, when someone dies and there was uh, a great Christian. We're not going to understand. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. But don't try to dismantle faith in the body of Christ. That's what I'm saying. Are you dismantling, Jim? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. What did you say there? I said, are you dismantling? Oh, no, I'm not. I'm good. Sorry, I'll brush my teeth. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad you put us on mute. (laughs) Well, you know, um, it, it. Doc and Glenn have been remarkably silent again during the podcast. Uh, do you, we're running out of time. Is there something you two would like to add to this conversation? I always put you on the spot, but you know it's coming. 
Uh, I'm, I'll, I'll leave it to Glenn on this one. All right, Glenn, you want spot paint? Like, this is spot painter. That's Glenn. Okay. Um, I think I see both their points. I think Jim is uh, does not want to give the message that prayer will get you material wealth. I think that uh, Pastor uh, Chris wants us to reclaim the power of prayer to give us what we need, which is riches. There are so many people who have lots of monetary wealth who are not all happy. True. They're not doing the important things. They're they're lost. And I think Pastor Wood thinks, well, I I agree with him, feels that if they could reclaim prayer and do other prayers that would reclaim this mindset or power, whatever you want to call it, that they're going forward would then have incredible riches in the spirit, in the body, and whatever they had would be enough. And Jim is very much not wishing, in my opinion, people to say, start praying for gold or silver or, you know, material wealth. And when they don't get it, they lose faith. Um, I think this is the danger that many Christians see in praying for material things. I think also that sometimes you will pray for healing or something and not receive it. And I think Jim was saying this too, but that was what the Lord said, no, it's your tongue. That's how I see it. I think that sums it up. That about sums it up for me. That about sums it up. And by the way, like I said, you know, maybe maybe there is some nuance here as far as where Chris and I are really agreeing. It just sounds like we're disagreeing, and I just haven't seen it yet. And also, <laughs> I want to emphasize that, Chris, I very much respect you, and I thank you for always coming on on a Wednesday. Well, Jim, I'm so glad you're on the podcast, and I'm glad you're out there at the seminary. I believe that's the will of God for you. And uh, I I believe that uh, your future looks very bright. You need some good sunglasses for your future. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? I'm inspired. Kumbaya, my love. (laughs) Well, Paul didn't want us to sing. (laughs) I had a good time today. I I think it was enlightening. Um, I really do believe we're coming from the same from different standpoints and reaching the same at maturity. I think and as a mature believer, I don't think there's a difference in the two views at all. Well, we just report. They decide the audience decides. Oh man, you just brought in the communist again. Now we got to throw you out. Of hell <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. And we will be back next week with, with the giant preacher and with Jim. Thank you both really. And, and doc, I, and, and Glenn, as always, we appreciate your, your, contributions to this and we'll be back this week thank you all right see you guys bye bye